Grace, mercy, and peace be and abide with each of you in the name of the one who is Jesus Christ, ours and the world's only Lord and Savior. Amen. You maybe uh, remember a little bit of this from your American history class in high school or otherwise, but during the period of 1854 until 1929, some 200,000 children were put on trains from cities like New York, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and Boston. They were put on trains and they were set out, sent out west on what was called orphan trains. And along the way, these trains would regularly make stops and the children would get off of these trains and they would be lined up like cattle and then prospective families and parents would come and begin to look at these children, ask them questions, check their teeth, inquire about their health, and some of them would be adopted. It's hard to even imagine that we would treat fellow human beings, even though maybe the motivation behind it certainly was good, to give these children who were orphans a, a home. It is a true a story and account in the history of our nation, and you can read about it in a book called uh, The Orphan Train Rider, One True Story of a Boy. Lee Nailing was that boy. One day, his father took, actually, Lee and his two brothers to the train station and put them on one of those orphan trains because he was unable to provide for them. And, and so they got into the train, and right before they got on the train, his father handed Lee an envelope, and he said, Lee, hold on to this. It has my address in it, and when you get to your final destination, write me. Sadly, when Lee finally got off that train, he couldn't find the envelope. And I'd like to tell you that his father came looking for Lee and his brothers, but he didn't. I'd like to give you that Hallmark movie ending that his father showed up and yelled, Lee, it's me, I've come for you, but I can't. See, what happened to Lee was that, well, he rode that train for four months. But our Father in Heaven, He comes looking for us. That's the point of our, our reading, and particularly verse 12 of our, our reading. Our Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, comes looking for you. Do you ever feel like maybe you're you know, stuck on the orphan train? Have you been rejected? Have you been forgotten about? Have you been marginalized? That might be how you feel, but the truth is feelings are not facts. These are the facts. Your Heavenly Father comes looking for you. 
Right in the middle of John 1 through 18, the section of the gospel that we are looking at over these Sundays of Advent are these most important words, he gave authority, or some translations like the one that was read for us today says, he gave the right to become God's children. He gave the authority for us to become God's children. Let's kind of explore that a little bit. He. Who is this He? He's our Heavenly Father. He's the one who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the flesh, into the world. He sends John to tell us about Jesus. And then our Heavenly Father gives us His Word made flesh, Jesus. And through Him, we have blessing upon blessing upon blessing. He's our Heavenly Father. And He gave. When I was somewhere around nine years old, I began to ask my parents for a new bike. Now I'm the youngest of five, and here was part of the reason. I'd never had a new bike. I'd always gotten the hand-me-downs. And so I began to ask, but I heard my dad's answers like, your bike is just fine, you don't need a new bike. Or, if you want a new bike, you save your money and you buy a new bike. Well, at that point, I decided, you know, yes, I mowed a couple of lawns, and I raked some lawns, and I cleaned a pool. I started young, but it was going to take me a while. So I stripped my bike down. I took every part off of it. I sanded it, and I painted it, and I did my best to make it look like a new bike. And then one Christmas Eve, and I can still, when I stop and I think about this, I can actually picture it. And I can even have the feeling that I had that night. But sitting in church, First Lutheran, Christmas Eve, the church is packed, and I had this sense, I'm going to get a new bike. I don't know if any of you ever had that over something you really had wanted for a while, but it just stuck with me, and I can remember just my face kind of lighting up like, I just can't wait. Guess what? Next morning, there was a bike, huh? There was a, now, our Christmases were wonderful, and it was a family event, but even I mentioned this to John, he said, you know, I'm, I'm just about done buying my gift cards. Well, those days, everybody wrote a check to mom, mom would go and shop for all the aunts and uncles, and there it all was, but there was that green bike. You know, those big handlebars, the banana seat, it was just what I wanted. To my surprise, my father and my mother gave me a new bike. A gift. They just gave it to me. Is that what earthly fathers do? They give. Even the scripture talks about, you know, a father does not give his child a stone when he asks for bread. Earthly fathers give, they care for, yet how much more our Heavenly Father, listen to these scriptures, John 3, 34, the Father gives the Spirit without limit. John 5, 21, the Father raises the dead and gives them life. John 16, 23, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And then the greatest one that all of us would know from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he 
gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. He gave. What if God changed his mind? I think it's a fair question for us to ask as we you know, consider you know, our lives. We all know that he has every reason to do so. We stumble, we fail, we wander, we stray from him, we sin, we rebel, and we mess things up. Will God finally have enough of us? Friends do. Employers do. Spouses do. Principals do and expel students. Coaches do and kick them off the team. Will he finally have enough of us? How do we know God won't do the same? After all, he's holy, he is just, he is pure, and we're anything but. Well, you and I can put our fears aside because he gave. He gave authority. The disease has gone on far too long. It's infected. It's killed countless people. It brings with it abandoned dreams and empty hearts. This disease I'm talking about goes by two words you and I know very well. I can't. I can't deal with, you know, my addiction. I can't deal with that which keeps tempting me. I can't deal with, you know, uh, this hurt anymore. I can't deal or find peace I can't believe. I just can't. But he gave authority. We're not helpless and hopeless. We're not powerless or without hope. We have authority. He gave authority. The one, one writer defines this biblical authority this way. Legitimate power from a competent source. Legitimate power that enables us to slam the door on I can't and say, I can. And Paul shares that belief when we read from him his words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the competent source giving us the power is the almighty God himself, our Father in heaven. And he gave authority for us to become his children. Jesus explains how this happens to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Jesus teaches that we're born again and become God's children through water and the Spirit. And you and I, we know that. We know it as baptism, where he claims us, he marks us as his own. We are given his name, marked, christened, Christian, child of God. That's how he chooses to work. Maybe we should think of baptism like a car wash. We go in filthy, dirty, and we come out shiny and new. All the dirt has been washed away. We're no longer defined by our broken relationships, our deficiencies, our debt, our dumb choices, but there's more. 
1985, when I graduated college, I bought from my dad the 1974 Super Beetle, orange in color, from him. Now, we had worn that car hard. Three of us through high school, two of us through college, and I got it when it was ready for a clutch and the engine to be rebuilt. I should have kept it, actually. It'd be worth more now than he paid for it back in 1974 at $2,900 brand new. But you know what I did with that car? I traded it in for a brand new Subaru. New transmission. <laughs> new tires. New engine. New power windows actually had an air conditioner, not just two windows. You know, we, we called it a 255. Open the two front windows, go 55 miles an hour. That was our air conditioner going back and forth to Texas. Brand spanking new. Well, my dear friends, that's how it is with us. Everything new. We're not old anymore. We're not covered with filth anymore. That's why Jesus tells Nicodemus that when people are baptized, they are born again. When you are baptized, you get a new you. By the way, if that's true then it begins to make more sense why Luther encourages us and others as well that we should daily remember our baptism, daily drown, wash away the old Adam and rise anew and shiny because our baptism is still working. But there's even more. In baptism, God also adopts you into his family and adopted children are chosen children. That's not the case with biological children. When I was born in North Hampton, Massachusetts, and they finally brought my father back, you know, that's how it was in those days, right? And they finally brought my father back and they handed him me. My dad didn't hand him back to the doctor saying, whoa, wait a minute, can I get a better model? <laughs> You know, can I get one that, you know, maybe is taller or, you know, one that'll be more athletic or, you know, anything else? There was no plan B. There was no alternative. I was it. He kept me. He couldn't give me back. But if you were adopted, your parents chose you. There are surprise pregnancies, but you know there are not surprise adoptions. <laughs> People intentionally know what they're doing when they go in there. If you were adopted, your parents could have picked a, a different gender, a different color, a different nationality, but they didn't. They chose you. They wanted you. And to all of us sitting here, so does our Heavenly Father. He comes looking for us. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, You have received the spirit of adoption as children by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Heavenly Father 
doesn't adopt us because we have talent. He doesn't adopt us because we are strong or handsome or how we look or, you know, our temperament. He adopts us because he loves us. And we all know adoption is not cheap. I have several friends that have adopted children. It costs tens of thousands of dollars, like to the twenty to $25,000 range for one child. How much did it cost our Father in heaven? Well, basically it was priceless. It cost him everything. It cost him his own son, that you could be his daughter or his son. He adopts us because he loves us. Remember Lee nailing the little boy I was telling you about, eight years old? Well, his father never came looking for him. And his two other brothers, they were chosen, but not Lee. He rode on that train for four months, going from town to town, from state to state. What a miserable existence he described it as. Until one day in Texas, he got off the train and this tall, lanky Texan and this small, petite, sweet wife of his, they took Lee home. And he said the most wonderful thing was the next day, as they began to introduce him to their friends, they said, this is our new son, Lee. Sometimes you and I ask ourselves, do I count for anything? Do I have value? Do I have worth? You know, everything it seems from high school to uh, older age leaves us somehow feeling rejected or marginalized or just wondering what real worth, what real value we have. We push back. We try to validate our existence. We do more. We buy more. We accomplish more. But we still wonder, do I count do I value for anything? And the answer is clear. Yes, you do. You're not stuck on the orphan train. Lee Nailing's story is a true story, and so is yours, and so is mine. How so? John 1.12 he gave the authority to become the children of God. You are baptized. The past is the past. You are now made new. The future is bright. God's word is sure. Rest in your adoption, for you are indeed a chosen child. Amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds rooted, growing, celebrating and rejoicing that we are indeed your chosen children, O God.